Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Howdy, y'all. Dr. S here uh, with another exciting Bad Elf um, Tech Minute for the Geoholics crew, uh, recording here in uh, the studio with uh, my friends Ryan, Jake, and Kent. Today, I want to give you a quick heads up. If you are a local Phoenician like I am, there is a group called Phoenix Geo. Phoenix Geo was originally created by a, a local legend named James Fee. Uh, Phoenix Geo serves um, the local community here of geospatial professionals. They meet casually every uh, few months, quarterly or so, to talk about GIS, have a few beers. Uh, if you are interested at all in getting connected in another way in the Phoenix metro area, you can check out Phoenix Geo. It's a meetup group, actually. So if you have the meetup app, you can take a look at that. I know that there's a, a event coming up soon, a virtual happy hour. So again, another great way to network, learn some stuff, have some fun. Um, even in times of social distancing, they are doing uh, virtual events. That's Phoenix Geo. All right, everybody. Thanks again. That's going to be my quick update. Hopefully I'll see you there um, to do some networking. And if you need to get a hold of me or have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at Nick. That's N-I-K at bad-elf.com. That's Nick at bad-elf.com. Thanks, y'all. Talk to you soon. ready boys that's a way to start it love it love it thank you everyone for listening to episode 42 of the geoholics a podcast produced by and for geomatics professionals also known as the jackie robinson episode no brainer can't argue nobody can argue with that one right Shoots? I, I could give some honorable mentions oh, but that would just on. that would just uh you know Hey, in these hurt, times, hurt the legacy. Come it's on. like the perfect, perfect one. So, of course, he broke the color barrier in MLB, played in the Brooklyn Dodgers his entire career. And I'm just going to go through just a list of his accomplishments. This is pretty amazing. Six-time All-Star, World Series champion, 1955, NL MVP, MLB Rookie of the Year, 1947, NL Batting Champion, 1949, Two-time NL Stolen Base Leader, Los Angeles Dodgers, number 42 retired, number 42 retired by all of MLB. Across the league. Monument Park honoree and Major League Baseball All-Century Team. That's a small resume. (laughs) And as a side note, as somebody that likes this part of the, the sport... You got to give those writers credit for voting for him for Rookie of the Year in those times yeah, and right. all of that. So it's amazing what he did. I don't want to defer yep. any attention from that, but yeah. Yep. Yep. Amazing. Can't amazing. can't doubt anything about one of, one of the goats. Legendary. Please consider joining the Geoholics fan club. For every twenty-five bucks you contribute to the Geoholics GoFundMe account, you'll receive an unbelievable Geoholics fan pack, and the fan pack grows Daily. every day. There's like Daily. more stuff getting put in the fan pack, so <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Along with having your name mentioned on the next podcast, we got to mention a couple this week. We got a couple contributors this week. We want to be sure to recognize Kurt. Juice Rajuski and Jansen Robichaux. 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 Yep. And the juice is loose. The juice, actually, uh, high school buddy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He uh, he he ran our our uh, fantasy football league for a number of years. Still in it, and uh, yeah, absolutely great guy. Of course. Are you still in it? Have you won it? Uh, I've won it like once, maybe twice. Out last of... year, well, like the first, like last year, I won it for like first time in maybe twenty-two years. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. Hey. So now you got to go back. Even a blind squirrel <laughs> finds a nut once in a while. Uh, David Bowie with that opening number, of course, Rebel Rebel. David Bowie was a leading figure in the music industry and is considered one of the most influential musicians of the twentieth century. Get this: during his lifetime, 
His record sales, estimated at over 100 million records worldwide, made him one of the world's best-selling music artists. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996. Bowie was dubbed the greatest rock star ever by Rolling Stone magazine. And, of course, all of his music is available on Spotify, Apple Music, and, uh, and everywhere else. That's high praise. Absolutely. Shout out to our friends of the program. Thanks for believing in us and your continued support. We got plenty of them. It seems like the list of that is growing as fast as our fan pack. Um, Bad Elf GPS, bad-elf.com. They're successfully developing high-accuracy GPS receivers for all-day data collection. And as you guys heard already, thank you to Dr. Nick Smolovsky and the Bad Elf Tech Minute. He does a great job, that Dr. Nick. Uh, Lance Furveyors United, largest global community of geomatics professionals on the Internet with over 17,000 members. Justin Farrow is behind that effort. Uh, you can find him at lancevayorsunited.com. And he also um, just wrapped up International Surveyors Week, as a matter of fact. I know he had great success with that, promoting it. Um, and I challenge everybody to jump on there and, and register. It takes like three minutes and there's so much information on there. It's an unbelievable resource. It's that whole add value, make friends thing. They're just a big part of it. You cannot lose with that. And then we got Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot arrow, A-E-R-O. Scott Ohana is the man in charge over there, and they are looking to develop true field to finish aerial workflows designed by surveyors and for surveyors. And a really cool guy on top of that. Can't lose with that. Cannot. Parkland College Land Survey Program. Pretty exciting. Our guest today actually went through the program, so I'm excited to talk to him about that. Uh, They have two schedule options, which provide opportunities to both traditional and working adults to achieve a certificate or associate's degree in land surveying. A lot of flexibility built into the program, which is awesome. You can find it at parkland.edu forward slash surveying. And some new ones to the program. Diamondback Land Surveying. Trent Keenan. uh, Trent... Lar- I know, I know large, that. I know that guy. Large leg Keenan, we'll call him. <laughs> they specialize in residential, commercial, and public works projects. Their corporate office is located in Las Vegas, but that guy is amazing, and he's licensed all across the West. Uh, they're also a proud sponsor and ambassador of Get Kids Into Survey. You can find their website DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, and for Get Kids Into Survey, it's GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Uh, I kind of like Popeye calves. I, I, I dropped that one early on him. Did you? Yes. <laughs> man, oh, man. All right. Uh, last but not least, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. Their website is agsgps.com, and they have unbeatable deals on new and used equipment, equipment rentals and supplies. And in fact, this is pretty cool. If you go to agsgps.com forward slash shop and you use promo code geo 15 you will save 15% off all regular price field supplies, accessories, and safety equipment. I'm not sure if that applies to the Sherp ATV rentals, but uh, either way, give it a shot, Geo 15. That's a big deal. Hey, yeah. I, I, you know, every Heck week yeah. I'm like, ooh, we got a promo cut, That's boys. pretty cool. I feel yeah. like we made the big time. Indeed, indeed. All right, here we are at the Beat Lab studio. Producer Jake, thanks for letting us hang out in your living room. Of course, guys. And uh, what, what's, what's uh, was anything new in here? No. Not really. No, we don't know Marvin. No, there's Marvin. No, Marvin's, Marvin's, Marvin's chilling. We got He's just, him here. Uh, yep. You know, sleeping. He's resting bit. on the couch. <laughs> He's just being Marvin. All right, let's catch up with the boys. Producer Jake, what's new, man? Doing good. Um, this has kind of become a segment at this point, actually, for the past couple of weeks of just producer Jake, and he recommends a new podcast each, or I'm, I'm sorry, a new documentary each week. Um, obviously, 
from the past episodes, you know, I've been on kind of a sailing kick this summer. So I've been kind of entering that rabbit hole in, in YouTube and seeing what I can find there. And I ran across something um, actually kind of by accident um, that was pretty cool and I didn't know existed. And it's called the, this is French, so I might not get this right, but the Vendée Globe. Have you guys heard of this? I have not. not I'm at interested. What is this? So it's this race that happens. It's basically it's a sail. It's sailing. So it's a sailing race around the world that happens every four years, and it's a single-handed race. So there's one person on each boat, and they sail around the world for like three and a half, four months by themselves. They have oh, to do God. everything, all of the sails. These big, like 60, 70 foot monohull bolt boats. But look it up on YouTube if you have a, like it's, I think it's about an hour and a half or so. Just look up the word relentless, and then you can even throw like Alex Thompson at the end of that. Okay. Um, really cool stuff. But it basically it's a documentary following him on his journey on this race back in 2016. So really cool, well done um, documentary shows him how i mean he's literally this boat is just crashing around through these waves going full speed and he just has to squeeze in like hours of sleep here two hours of sleep here and um just just a cool story and just you know super emotional and stuff at the end after you put that much energy into something for for three and a half months and been away from your family and stuff but check it out if you can um the next one it happens every four years so the next one's actually in november november 2020 so we'll have to mark our calendars for that so november 2024 Skipper Jake, are you kidding me? Are That'd you be awesome. In? Okay. Well, I, and I gotta ask you real quick to interrupt. Uh, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. Did that guy do all the recording of this documentary himself as well? Because he was the only one on the boat. Yeah. So there. So he was doing all that and recording himself. Yeah. So oh yeah. I mean, it's not like he's sitting there for like hours at a time filming, but he'll check in here and there, and then they've got helicopter. I mean, a, a few spots like on during the race, they'll fly helicopters and stuff over him and check in on him. And then there's some TV coverage and whatnot, but no. really cool looking boat. You got to check out a picture of that too. I believe his boat was called like the Hugo Boss or something. Oh, is it? It's all black. All I think black I've seen one. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty cool. So if you have some time, definitely check it out. It's 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 an easy. I, I know I say that about all the documentaries I recommend, but easy to digest and visually appetizing for sure. I like so it. I just I like don't it. like that emotional part. I can't handle that. It's not like sad. I mean, at the end, like he's like triumphant. Like okay. he. So it's a t- good emotional. Exactly. It's, it's like a good. Disney movie. Yeah. A di- exactly. <laughs> but anyway, Ryan, how are you? I can't complain. I. Had a decent Father's Day, you know, that that's always a good day every year. And uh, the big news, I know this recording and when it's released are different, but we got baseball boys. I am very excited about this. They're apparently hashing out the details right now for a 60-game season, which I'm not crazy about. But uh, all that Jackie Robinson talk, it got me riled up again. So I am ready for that. And obviously we're not going or anything like that to see the games in person we're gonna watch it on tv but i think it'll be good to hopefully uh we live in arizona where everybody's going back out and we're spiking like crazy it'll it'll hopefully keep everybody home in this heat and bring us back to reality but i just am ready for it so other than that just working away and doing the usual about you delphi delph oh let's see first off what's the download count do you know there jake I think we thirteen point seven. You said, yeah, yep. I think that's about right. Yeah. Almost there. Yep, thirteen hundred more by uh, July thirty first. And oh, we got time. Kent that's, and, that's Kent not and Ryan get geoholics tattoos. No tattoo. 
<laughs> I have some breaking news here, actually. Oh, we, we can report Uh-oh. live. MLBPA communications. All remaining issues have been resolved, and players are reporting to training camps. All right, you're going to have to excuse me for 10 minutes while I go celebrate. Just a few <laughs> moments ago. The deal is done between MLBPA and MLB on health and safety protocols. Game on. Excellent. Yeah. I can't wait. Well, Until uh, half of them come down with COVID, and then we're right back to where we started. <laughs> exactly. Well, Jake yeah. doesn't know this deal, but to fight this whole... Uh, tattoo talk and everything i have agreed that instead of getting a tattoo i'm willing to run a half marathon oh wow and and as you see what this is, is not this point? is not, yeah 13.1 miles wow. this is not a marathoner's body by any means so i am willing to risk life and death i'll bike. <laughs> i'll bike a half marathon come on you could do it with me oh, you, even if you walk come on you take you you know a half a day yeah Rather than a, rather than a lifetime of Should shame, it. it might not be a bad trade off. I almost, I think I could I think I could. So you're gonna do a half marathon and a tattoo? Oh no, I'll just get a tattoo. He's gonna laugh yeah. at us doing the half marathon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I'll just get the tattoo. Um, t- t- played some golf with shoots last week. Started, Had a good time. Badly, and uh, it, uh, it it was rough rough go in the beginning but uh, shoots came around and finished strong. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I got a toot my own horn here just a little bit i was driving the ball like a madman pretty consistently better than i've ever seen from you and there was this one hole i drove the green on a par four mm-hmm. I, I, it was kind I, of a short par four so i don't i don't, I don't want to you know get out of get, get out of control, control here, control here. Yeah. but i can't confirm i hit the ball as straight i think as i ever hit it it couldn't have been any better it's on a string after that i was like done for the day so i drive the green i'm on in one it's par four and of course, I freaking three putt. Well, this is the thing. The lovely Carrie and lovely Megan were with us, right? <laughs> and after you drove that green, you were strutting pretty hard, and Carrie called you out on it. She did. And yep. then I literally yep, had it yep, in my yep. head a day or two later, and I thought about that was the walk when that girl said, What's up, Dilfy Dilf? It was the exact same thing. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew right. it. And I was like, You're I right. finally saw it. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> and so I was laughing to myself when I thought about that two That's, days later. <laughs> That's so true. That was the walk. You're right. One other thing I came across. So I, I'm going to be curious to see what you guys think about this. I, I came across this graphic. I think it was on like Facebook or something. I don't even know where it came from, but it's sports ranked by difficulty. And the, the source is unbiased America sports. So, Jake, what do you think is the number one ranked hardest sport? Oh, man. Going to have to go. I think baseball would be really. Uh, uh, tennis. 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 Okay. Shoots. Mm, baseball's a tough one because if you hit 400, you're still failing 60% of the time. I'm going to go with the low hanging fruit and say golf if you look this up. With, you're going golf? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like, is it physically so, hard or yeah, like? this sports ranked by difficulty? I, I don't, I, okay. I don't, I'm not getting into the weeds on it, but okay. number one, boxing. Of course. Yeah, number two, hard. hockey. Three, football. Four, basketball. And five, wrestling. So it sounds like physically difficult. I guess. Like you're getting your body knocked around. Tennis was number Rugby s- should be on there. If, it's if on it's there. That. It's on there. Uh, tennis was number seven, actually. Rugby was 13. Golf. 51. That's where that's my sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> so then the bottom five and get this number 56 curling, bowling, shooting, billiards, and last but not least fishing. 
What all was the, number all, one again? All the drinking sports <laughs> are at the bottom. Uh, what, what was number one again? Boxing. Mm, yeah. Boxing. I mean, I would say boxing slash like MMA, MMA for sure. You don't yeah. want to get your head knocked around for a little bit? Yeah. For, no. Seems no, pretty difficult. You. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Let's move along here. Safety. Let's get to the safety apparel geo share. Uh, safety apparel, of course, has some of the best safety vests available anywhere. And you can check them out at safetyapparel.us and be sure to take a minute and follow them on all the social media platforms because Matthew Stansberry, he's pretty active on social media and does some really cool stuff. Um, our topic or uh, GeoShare for this week is the delayed, this just came out like two days ago, delayed the, the delayed release of the modernized 2022 National Spatial Reference System, better known as the NSRS. So there was... A, uh, a newsletter that came out, the uh, delayed release of the modernized NSRS. So the National Geodetic Survey is announcing a delay in the release of the modernized National Spatial Reference System. Um, since 2017, operational workforce and other issues have arisen and compounded, causing NGS to recently reevaluate whether a successful rollout by 2022 is possible. The most significant impacts have been in workforce hiring and retention and in meeting GRAV-D data collection milestones, which underpin the NSRS modernization efforts. NGS is currently conducting a comprehensive analysis of ongoing projects, programs, and resources required to complete NSRS modernization and will continue to provide regular updates on the progress. Question is, how long is the delay going to be, right? Answer is, we don't know. At best, it now looks like the 2024-2025 time frame. So that's big news. That's a big delay. <laughs> it's not like a oh, 30 days here exactly, or there. Exactly, right. They're yeah. going I was kind of shocked. I thought maybe it'd be a year, if anything, but that puts it off another two to three years. It's crazy. All right. With that, let's get on to our guest. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, our guest today is Kyle Schultz. He's a professional land surveyor. He's a, currently a project manager at Precision Engineering Group in Champaign, Illinois. A little background information on Kyle. Born in Champaign and raised in a little town called Sidoris, Illinois. Uh, apparently a town of about 350 people and he didn't even live in town. He lived like three miles outside of town. So uh, we'll circle back on that. I'm curious to see how that upbringing was. Earned an associate's from Parkland College in 06 and a bachelor's from my alma mater, Southern Illinois University, Carbondale in 2008, fell Saluki. Uh, so he's automatically one of the coolest guys on the planet. Boo. Uh, he's, a co- <laughs> he's a cool, <laughs> he's an Eagle Scout. He is the recipient of the IPLSA, Illinois Professional Land Surveyors Association, Eldridge Award, which is awarded to a college-age student who writes a 3,000-word essay about a surveying-related topic. And he has had his picture in P.O.B. Magazine. And I think there is a story about his nickname being Hollywood after that happening. So we'll find out more. <laughs> Hobbies include work and his two small kids. That takes up a lot of time, as we know. Can't confirm. He appreciates kind of like Jake and uh, myself going down the YouTube rabbit hole, especially when it comes to watching videos related to cars. Apparently, there's a series that's called Will It Run that he's fairly addicted to. And he also enjoys, this is funny, building fireworks displays for an annual bonfire. Hmm. Not a huge sports fan, but he is into motorsports such as hill climbing and rally cars. So, Kyle, thanks so much for being here with us this evening. We appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Um, let's circle back on a couple of those things. Talk about the YouTube videos. What's this will it run thing? So like there's a bunch of different uh, YouTubers out there that um, do these videos where they find old abandoned cars out in the woods. You know, most of them are old pickup trucks that have been sitting behind a barn or out in the woods or whatever. They've been there for 15, 20 years. And the whole idea is, can we put some gas in it? Can we check the points and, and do a couple other very minimal things where it sits? And then can we drive it out of its hole? Or can we, you know, then go on a 300 mile cruise down the road to go home in the thing? Wow. And uh, some of those videos are, are pretty funny and pretty interesting to see these guys you know, resurrect these, these old uh, you know, 350s and 454s and stuff like that and, and get them running again. And some of them will probably, you know, never be restored. They're nowhere near good enough for that. But just the um, sh sheer design of them that they were able to sit that long and then still start and run pretty well, a lot of these is, is pretty remarkable to me. So these are cars that have been sitting like in a barn or in a field or something like that? And yep. I, mean, is it, I mean, is it literally they make sure there's oil in it, put some gas in it and try to start them? I mean, that's basically the gist of it. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, they typically will hook up, you know, some kind of Gatorade bottle with the fuel line straight <laughs> right, to yeah. the carburetor instead sure. of trying to pump it out of a rusty tank. Yep. Um, and sometimes they've got a you know, do a uh, shade tree carb rebuild on the thing. And of course, you know, they never have all of what they need. So they find a um, piece of cardboard and repurpose it into a gasket for the time being, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I find it pretty interesting just to see that these, these old cars will, will still run. Heck and, yeah. The title and, is very uh, accurate. Will it run? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And, that, and there's a whole interesting. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of YouTubers that that do those different uh, types of types of videos, and so there's there's a whole gambit of of those. There's a, a guy up in Canada that's that's pretty funny that does several of them. There's a guy in New Hampshire who actually he calls them Rusto rest restorations. Oh, that's good. Restorations. Yep. Rusto mod. Yeah, got it. Yeah, because he he basically um, he takes it one step further and gets them cleaned up and running well enough that you could plate them and drive them down the road. Like he, he will take them um, and uh, get them roadworthy again. And, and most of the time it's just him with a peen hammer banging stuff back so that it's somewhat <laughs> true and uh, buying minimal parts and, and just completely going through and, and rebuilding the carburetors and getting them running good again. And, and uh, he might have, uh, I think he did a Honda CX250 or something like that. It was oh, an wow. 80s trail bike. Um, <laughs> and it had been sitting for 15 years, and he got it up and running and roadworthy again. And I think there was four or five hour-long videos of him, cool. you know, getting this thing back into shape. And, and that I, I find that stuff pretty pretty cool. So, Can you imagine what that's going to look like 50 years from now? Like somebody's going to go out in the – in a field and find an old Tesla. They'll find Jake's <laughs> old like, Tesla. <laughs> how do we get this thing running? Put, in, put a new I, battery. I, I don't. 
I think that's the the mm. miracle of the 60s through 80s cars is that you can do that kind of thing. You know, yeah, today's electronics, true. there's so many wires and stuff in them. You'd, you'd never be able to figure out what's causing the problem that it won't run. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so before we move on, there's a couple things I want to make sure we talk touch on. Um, first of all, your, uh, your Eldridge Award story is pretty freaking good. And I'm very familiar with that award because I actually grew up in IPLSA and everything. So tell, okay. tell us how that happened. This is good. So my sister absolutely hates this story because um, she went to school to be an um, educator. She became a teacher and that. And um, whenever she had to do papers for school, it was this month-long thing you know where she would write draft after draft and my mom would help her revise and edit and there was this big production and I was never that way I I was always the type of person who would sit down and knock out a paper the night before and whatever I whatever it happened to be it happened to be um so standard to my uh standard operating procedure there I guess um we had to write this uh, paper for for one of Roy's classes, and um, I was having a hard time coming up with a um, subject. So I went to Roy, and I said, "You know what would be a good topic?" And he said, "Well, you know, Illinois is starting to look into doing minimum standards for writing legal descriptions. So why don't you try writing something about that?" And I was like, "Okay." So time goes by and time goes by and all of a sudden it's due, you know, in a, in a few days. So on, on Monday before it's due, I sit down on the, at the computer while I'm watching TV, of course, and I'm looking through and researching what states have requirements and what states don't and trying to get an idea of how involved their requirements are and that sort of thing. And I print off the several states minimum requirements. And I start to form an idea for the paper in my head. Tuesday, I don't do anything. I had some classes and stuff, and I, I just didn't, didn't write at all. Wednesday comes along, and I get up in the morning about 8 o'clock, and I start writing this paper. And I'm, I'm writing and writing and writing, you know. And um, class was that evening. And I, I think I put the finishing touches on it and printed it out like 45 minutes before class started. I had just enough time to go to the, the mess hall and get something to eat before class. And um, I turn it in and uh, I got a perfect score on it, which Roy was not grading for grammatical <laughs> uh, checking at all because uh, when I reread it later, I noticed that I had some grammatics errors in it and uh, that kind of thing. But uh, he gave me a perfect on it and said that uh, I should really consider submitting it for Eldridge Award because he thought it was pretty decent. So I submit it to Eldridge Award because it's already written. So all I have to do is fill out the application sheet that goes along with it and, and send it in. And lo and behold, I end up uh, winning the Eldridge Award and, and uh, <laughs> getting, awesome. getting that. So it was a, that, it was a scholarship, right? Uh, well, they do. They had scholarships um, that they give out, you know, and then the Eldridge Award um, had a, a monetary amount that came with it. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Great story. So you mentioned Roy Frank, and Roy Frank is obviously legendary in Southern Illinois, not only at the university, but just in the survey world in general. Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't go through the survey program there, per se. I went through the architecture program at SIU and went back, and once I got into surveying, took like, I don't know, four or six of Roy's classes, and oh my gosh, that guy and his stories are unbelievable. And he always went down, he always would get off topic and head down a path and people would just start kind of, you know, snickering and stuff like that. But I mean, just a great human being. It's guys like that. And Ed Reader, I don't know if that name rings a bell to you, but uh, he was, it does, but I don't think I, I knew him. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he's basically, he was my mentor. He's who I started out with and worked with for 10 years at uh, Cross Country Land Surveying. And then uh, Mitch Garrett. Did you know Mitch at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, another good guy. Without those three guys, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm glad we got an opportunity to give those guys a shout out. Um, so you've been serving basically for about, I don't know, plus or minus 10 years, it sounds like. Um, really interesting story. Tell everyone how you got introduced to land surveying. Um, so I was in scouts as a, uh, as a youth and, um, I was getting ready to age out. I had already earned my Eagle Scout at that point and was kind of um, just helping out with younger boys and doing stuff like that locally in the troop and um, still had some time to earn some merit badges and different things like that. And um, Todd Horton, who was the program director at Parkland, had uh, recently moved uh, out of Urbana area into our uh, area and was looking for a troop for his son to join. And um, they joined the troop and we were doing some road work cleanup. And he, he said to me, well, have you thought what you want to do after you graduate? And I said, no, not really. And he goes, well, he goes, if you like technology and you like being outdoors, which I assume you do since you're in scouts, um, you really ought to come check out surveying merit badge that we're doing here in a couple months. And uh, I thought, you know, We'll do the merit badge and, and earn another one, you know, what, no big deal and see what surveying's about. So I went to Parkland's first offering of the surveying merit badge and uh, I earned it and, and I really liked it. And uh, it was something that interested me and uh, went to a couple of open houses at Parkland and uh, through talking to, to Todd and, and, and uh, getting involved in a couple of, and other other things that had been been done i i chose to go into the construction program and uh, focus on doing land surveying and so i just kind of kept building building from there wow that's that cool it gives me that's hope awesome yeah for what we do out here yeah absolutely we're going to talk more about the about the survey merit badge here in just a little bit because i know it's something you're super passionate about um so who, who like what was your first like actual survey job then uh, so after I did a year of college and, and got some basic classes under my belt, I had to do a summer internship for uh, work experience credit hours. And uh, I worked at a company here locally called HDC Engineering and worked in their, um, their surveying department, mm -hmm. mostly out in the field. The first summer I was with them, I, I did everything from concrete testing to um, helping out on, on doing stakeouts and topos and all sorts of things. I just kind of 
did what they told me to do and where they plugged me in. Um, and then I, I kept going back. And so the, while I was in college, I worked for them uh, summers and breaks and stuff like that. And, and uh, I got to the point where I was even doing a little crew chiefing towards the end on smaller projects that, that weren't super critical. But I gained a lot of a knowledge while I was working there. And um, it, was, it was a pretty good um, experience. And I was supposed to go to work for them after I got out of college, but I got out of college at a very inopportune time in 08. Yep. And um, I can relate. I did it. I did end up finding a job with somebody, but that, that didn't last for a real long time. So, so I've heard you mention it before you were out of the surveying for a while too, Kent, but yep. um, I was out of surveying for 11 months um, looking for something and, and um I was able to, to find a home at, at another firm and, and, uh, was able to keep, keep in surveying. So, yep. Yep. That's awesome. Good for you. You mentioned something about being, uh, you know, doing some party chiefing and this type of thing. I saw something, this gets a little, a little off tangent, but <laughs> consider this a Roy Frank thing. Um, I saw something on Facebook where they may be doing away with party chief and crew chief. Because of the I saw whole racial tensioning oh thing and it's going to be like survey supervisor, survey assistant or something like that. So things are going off the rails. I'm all man. about progression, but I feel like these things are just getting, it's, it's every nitpicky thing. It really but, is. It really know, is. So. Absolutely. I got a quick question. As far as the uh, building fireworks displays, do you still have all your fingers or have you pulled a Jason <laughs> Pierre Paul and blown your hand up? No, no, I, I still have all my fingers uh, and toes and eyebrows and everything. Uh, haven't haven't lost them yet. So um, lucky. <laughs> yeah. um, that, was, that was the side note. I apologize. I had to ask just because I was a Giants fan. I am a Giants fan, and that was when he blew his hand off. I couldn't yeah, believe that's that. Right. <laughs> that's my callback for the day. But uh, uh, can you tell us a, a little bit more about Precision Engineering Group? Uh, like, what's, what's your typical day? And have, have there been any uh, amazing projects you want to tell us about that you've worked on? Yeah, so uh, Precision is a pretty young company. Um, there's, uh, we've been around for about three years and there's only three of us right now. Um, we have got uh, an engineer and a, another surveyor who's um, looking to retire soon and I'll be taking over for him as he retires. Um, we were looking to add crew uh, when all of this COVID stuff kind of uh, took over and has made things extremely uncertain for the, the future. So for right now, primarily in the field, it's me <laughs> uh, by myself, which is uh, a whole nother bag of worms too. I know we've talked about one man crews and stuff like that uh, a lot. Um, we, we, and, we won't uh, hold it against you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, I'm a big proponent for two man crews. Uh, it's just sometimes it's not an option, you know. Sure. Um, and uh, where I worked in the past, we, we were always two mans, and uh, that was that was always great. Doing stuff by yourself is is not easy at all. Um, and I I think it's it's harder on you mentally and physically, and and the safety aspect of it too. It's just. Um, not to to go un, uncounted um sure but 
so typical day is, is for us right now in what we're doing is a lot of development work. Um, we're doing quite a few projects uh, for some local developers here uh, with stuff that's tied in with the U of I um, and other, other private development. So um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, one man stakeout. I'm doing quite a bit of uh, lot surveys and things like that, as well as FEMA surveys, um, some bridge topos, um, uh, a little bit of everything really, uh, but, but mostly uh, construction layout right now. Um, so, you know, I get up in the morning at home, I print out my, my sheets and, and uh, go to the job site. And, and like today I was in three different spots, did a little staking at each place. And, um, you know, then when I'm, when I'm done with that, I've got some other paperwork to do, maybe a proposal here and there or whatever. So it, it keeps me busy. It keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so are, are you doing all your own calcs and everything then? Uh, f- yes and no. Depends on what the project is. You know, mm-hmm. I've done a few lot and blocks where I've done the calcs in the truck, either on the data collector or on uh, the computer on CAD. Yep. And then um, set pins and, and was was done for the, the day. And, and then... Um, uh, our guy who's our engineer is also drafting our plats and stuff for us right now. So, um, you know, I've, I've done that. And then I've also had other projects where I've been on where I've uh, gotten all the boundary and topo information pulled together. And then right. our other surveyor will, will calc it and, yeah. and uh, take care of it. So it's, it's kind of split duty. It just depends on, you know, what my load is, is like for layout that week and, and kind of what's, what's going on. So, sure. Cool. Let's do uh, let's do a little good news, bad news. So the good news is that you're, you know, you're essentially a young surveyor. Only, I mean, even though you've been in the business for plus or minus ten years, you're still considered a, 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 a very young surveyor. So that's great. Super passionate about the profession, uh, and, and introducing you know uh, young people to the profession as well, which is awesome. Uh, bad news is, and I'm sure you see it all the time. You know, we do we. We have a lot of challenges in front of us, um, you know, lack of mentoring and deregulation. I mean, these are things we've, we talk about all the time, but what are some of the things as far as challenges go that concern you? I think those are, the, those are the big ones, right? Yeah. Um, I think those are the big long-term ones that, that ever that are on everybody's mind, Um I know Illinois has taken some steps in, in a, in a positive direction that some of the other states, um, are probably moving towards, um, or, or, um, will, you know, will be soon. And, uh, you know, part of, part of our requirement and, um, in, in Illinois for licensure is you have to have a four year degree plus four years of experience. So, um, I did my four-year degree and that was the easy part getting the experience proved difficult to me with uh, because of the layoff you know i lost almost a year there mm. and then when it came time to submit to take my test because back then they were still doing paper copies twice a year um my work experience fell my four years of experience fell short 
by like two weeks of the due date. So then I had to wait another six months in order to take the test. Wow. So all of a sudden, what should have taken eight years, start of school to, to end of uh, work experience, took almost 10, you know, and um, that's, that's pretty frustrating. Um, one of the steps I think that's going to help with that, that we've started moving towards is, um, or they're seriously looking at is, for people who are already in industry, who've been working for 20 years, mm -hmm. some of our students at Parkland, uh, you know, these are guys that have been working in the field longer than I have in me, me teaching them part-time. Sure. And um, some of those guys, they're, they may already even have a bachelor's in, this, in a related science. So now they're at Parkland to do their two years to get their 24 credit hours. And in theory, they should be able to just sit and take the test, but instead, because of the way the laws are, they've got to wait four years um, because the responsible charge time doesn't start until after you've completed the FS. And Illinois is looking at, at making a, a change in those rules that if you've been working under an LS over the course of time that you can basically backtrack that time and, and you could sit for your tests immediately. Um, so that would be something that would, would greatly help a lot of our students and people who are, you know, working in, in the field right now. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's really funny. Like when I, I, I actually, I, I started serving in Illinois, I got licensed in Missouri first because I was able to, and then, uh, I think it was Iowa after that. And then Illinois, just because at that point in time, Illinois didn't have like a post-secondary education requirement. If you had like a bachelor's degree or a two-year degree, it took years off your experience that was required. But I mean, it took me, gosh, I mean, because I didn't get a degree in serving. My degree was in architecture. Um, it took me almost 10 years, I think it was, eight or 10 years after, I have to go back and look, just to sit for the LSIT and then X amount of years after that. So it was like, it was like a 12-year ordeal to become a registrant. And quite honestly, you know, looking back at it, I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm glad to hear what you just said about, you know, Illinois, um, you know, being a little fluid and willing to make some changes and not be hardline for your degree. Um, I'm just curious, you know, what, what do you think would be the ideal scenario? And I think I ask every surveyor this on, on, uh, on every episode, you know, if there was a national requirement, um, across the board, what, what, what would be the ideal requirements as far as education and experience goes? in your mind? That, that, and that's a tough question because everybody's going to have a differing opinion, especially, you know, like you guys coming from Arizona where you don't have an education requirement, right. the same as ours. Um, and then you get into states like next to us in Indiana where they have 27 credit hours um, plus higher math uh, requirements. And, um, you've got to be able to know drainage yep. in Indiana. So I think the problem with having a national exam that would cover everyone is the, the state laws and what you're able to do as a, a licensed surveyor differ so much from state to state. Um, it would be really tough in order to, um, 
you know, get get something where everybody agreed on it. I think that would be the worst part is just getting the different states to agree that there is enough content uh, on what they want covered. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think to a certain extent, the tests that we take are somewhat already at a national level. I mean, because when you're looking at your licensing exam, you know, six hours of your licensing exam in in Illinois here, was a national test and then i had a two-hour state jurisdictional yeah so i think maybe that's almost the way to go is if you can come up with something that's that's a good solid national um uh test with your your jurisdictional that everybody can kind of Mm -hmm. uh, agree on there but then like i say with indiana allowing you to do drainage you know it's not really fair that the and then a national test would have drainage on it um or the requirements you, you know what i'm saying sure. it, it would yep. be it would be tough to to make it work where everybody was happy yeah yeah like to make people happy yep and then you've got your you know your meets and bounds states versus your you know pls states so there would be some challenges there but it would be good um for there to be you know a, a standard like let's say it's a two-year degree and four years experience or something like that to take the LSIT, let's say. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Every, every state being, you know, different. Some states requiring a four-year degree like Illinois, like you mentioned, Arizona, no post-secondary education requirements mm-hmm. here. I think uh, Big Shoots' dog can probably get licensed here. I don't know. She's pretty lazy. So. <laughs> I, uh, Carrie and I were talking about this. We had some time in the car the other day after our conversation at dinner and yeah. stuff about... I think the biggest issue is, uh, you know, the lack of information of what is required. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's no set track where, you know, when you're in high school, ASU, U of A, NAU, they come in, they say, okay, you want to be an engineer, you do this degree, you get this time, you take this and you're good to go and it's set. Yeah. There's no real set information put out about surveyors so people don't know about it and that's the whole promoting the profession that we started this whole thing with in mind but yeah there's just no set track so people are uncomfortable with that open-endedness of it all true that's a really good point when we you know if you give me a goal i'll do it yep and it might take me longer shorter whatever but i need to actually know what i'm doing yeah um so with that in mind we're gonna hard transition here eagle scout that is a big accomplishment that has a, a set track um obviously a i have to ask what was what was your eagle scout project um so my eagle scout project was uh at my church uh they had uh, had some projects around the building with uh relation to the foundation and stuff around the house they or house around the church where they'd done some um pinning of the footings and in that they had a lot of basement leaks and they had dug up a lot of the area around the church and basically it was just um coming up with a landscaping design and redoing the landscaping around the outside of the church building some planter boxes for a couple of different areas where they had uh, put up a sign for the the preschool there and and a couple of other things like that uh at, at the church property Nice. And now moving forward, now that that's behind you and you've accomplished that, moving forward with the the survey merit badge specifically, what's going on with that in the 2021 Jamboree? 
So um, the 2021 Jamboree is next summer and it is, let's see, July 17th through July 31st. So it's that, that last week and a half of July. Um, and basically I'm the merit badge booth coordinator for that. And so I'm kind of organizing uh, the event as, as it is at, at the Jamboree. And basically we've, we've got a, a small booth set up where scouts will come and we will do the merit badge with them. Um, I've been going to the Jamboree since 2001. It's held uh, every four years. And so I went as a youth and I went as a, a contingency leader um, in 01 and 05. And then I went back on staff um, for 2010, which is not four years, it's five. They actually pushed it for the 100th anniversary year. Hmm. Um, so then I've also been on staff in, in 13 and 17. Um, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm gonna be the merit badge booth coordinator this time. So um, it's, it's a little bit different deal than what you'd normally run at, uh, you know, a, a clinic, like say at Parkland or at mm -hmm. your business or at a, at a different university uh, or run by your state association. The uh, um, leadership of the Jamboree has kind of said, we don't want people earning merit badges. We just want you to give them a taste of what's going on mm -hmm. and, and try and, you know, invoke the spirit and the um, curiosity of the scouts in your related subject. And our view on it is basically, you know, if we don't do it, they're not ever gonna finish it. Um, it it's just, it's a tough one that most people don't see offered. Um, yeah. It seems like we've had two or three kids uh, show up every year that have already done some of the requirements and they're looking to finish it and they can't find it somewhere else. Um, so in, in that respect, we've kind of changed things up a little bit so that it's it's a little quicker and a little easier to do. Um, and at the Jamboree, you tend to get younger scouts um, that don't have the best uh, coordination, hand-eye coordination and different things. So teaching them to set up is very difficult to get them to hold the legs and move it over a point and do the different things. Um, and it, so it's very exhaustive on us as staff too, yep. because you're, you're dealing with, you know, 50 kids a day or whatever, and trying to teach each one of them how to set up a gun. And that's very, very tiring. So we, we, we make it a little easier for them to, to do it while still being able to complete the majority of the, the tasks and uh, have different ways that we go about doing it so that they can still earn it. Um, and feel, you know, we feel good about it. They feel good about it. And, uh, we can, we can keep that process moving along. Um, Let's so really, uh, you know, what we're looking for is people who are willing to donate their time or donate some, some money, um, to the cause basically, so that we can help as many, uh, scouters as possible. The um, biggest limit we've had the last couple of jamborees has just been in staff. There's been 
uh, a small handful of us that have been able to make it. And it, it really reduces the amount of people that we can take uh, because, you know, kids will say, well, can we start a class and we're full right now, you'll have to come back. Mm-hmm. And, and of course they don't come back. So we are, are really just looking to get our, our staff numbers up. And NSPS has a fund for that. So if somebody, corporation or state organization or even individual wants to donate, they can donate to the NSPS foundation and earmark it for the Boy Scout Jamboree. And then that money will go towards helping staff members uh, with their registration and getting there and different things like that so that it's not all on the uh, volunteers dime, which is huge. And um, it is also um, going to allow us to, to get the word out to, to more people, you know, the more staff we have. And sure. so that's, that's what we're, we're looking for right now. Is, is, what do you say is we uh, donate producer Jake's salary? We could. <laughs> I could do that. You <laughs> may not appreciate that very much. <laughs> so I got SPS wouldn't appreciate it either. Yeah. So a couple of questions for you. First of all, I'm a huge proponent of the the Boy Scout of America Survey Merit Badge. Shameless plug: the United Surveyors of Arizona have administered this um, this merit badge for the last three years, and we try to do it like twice a year. And when we first took on you know, doing this, um, the local, you know, BSA, uh, group was like, oh my gosh, you know, we're so excited. It was like the first time in like 20, 25 years that it was even offered in Arizona, but it is challenging and I'm not sure, you know, how it is, um, you know, where you are, but it seemed like at least the kids that this was being offered to were pretty young. So we had like 20 kids. What was the age group shoots? What would you say from like, it was anywhere from like Eight. Eight. They looked really fourteen or something. There was no. I think there was one kid that was sixteen at one. I think you're right. Yeah, there was, was. and he looked like the grandpa compared to everybody else. Yeah. So just an interesting dynamic when you have that range of kids. But like you said, it is it is definitely challenging. Um, But I mean, you are you are a success story as a result of you know somebody taking the time and the effort to to administer the merit badge. Where is the jamboree going to be in 2021? Is it the same place every every four years, or does it move around? Um, so over the last hundred years, it's been in a few different places. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily over the last 40 years, it was held at Fort AP Hill in Virginia. Um, but then in 2010, uh, the Boy Scouts, which I guess I should now call Scouts America because mm. it's co-ed now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. keep forgetting. Yeah, I can't get that. Um but uh, in, in 2010, they made the official announcement that they had um, purchased ground or had don- they had ground donated to them mm-hmm. by the Bechtel family, which is a, a, a pretty big hmm. uh, construction yeah. conglomerate. Yep. And they uh, donated what is called the summit or the Bechtel site. Um, sometimes it's the whole shebang, the summit Bechtel site, Mm -hmm. but um, it's something like 60,000 acres along the new river gorge uh, near uh, Glen Jean, West Virginia. And you can actually get on Google maps and look at it. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. It was old um, uh, coal mine Mm -hmm. area that they restored and created this 
uh, massive uh, uh, camp at. Yeah, that's awesome. And that could be a good place so, for some land surveying. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> the uh, the site is is really nice for the scouts because not when it was at 40, 40 AP Hill, they had to build all the infrastructure every four years and then tear it back out. And they're spending 10, $10 million doing that. Right. So now they're able to put $10 million into it every four years and it stays instead of um, having to tear it back out again. And the other benefit to, to doing it there is they've got a venue where they can hold concerts for outside events. There's a, a law in West Virginia's um, that was added just so that they can have outdoor events there because of the seating requirements and different things. So um, there's also a training center there. It's open for high adventures every every summer. So if you want to um, book uh, your troop in individually there and and spend the week doing their their different activities, you can and that includes whitewater rafting on the new river gorge and atvs and shotguns and uh, they do zip lining canopy tours and they've got a bunch of water sports that they've got set up on their uh, man-made lakes and and things um and and that that undertaking was was huge you know talking about it being restored coal ground there was a, a booth set up by the company that did the work and they had uh, something like three or four d10s running 24 seven with GPS machine control to regrade everything in, in about 18 months so that they could then start doing the, the uh, next phases of getting it prepped for the 2013 Jamboree. Wow. Um, so it, it's, it's a pretty interesting uh, site. And if you're into that kind of thing, I, I definitely would check it out on, on Google earth. So super cool. Um, kudos to you for, you know, paying it forward and getting involved with that, uh, that effort. That's huge. Um, and what we'll do is we'll get, we'll get some information from you because I, I would love to send some people your way, whether it be people to volunteer or to make a donation financially or what have you, um, to support the cause. So that's awesome. I do have a question for you. So let's say you're administering or, you know, do, doing the survey merit badge and you meet, uh, a, a kid, you know, male, feel male, female, um, you know, whatever, 16, 17 years old, probably about the same time you got introduced to it. What, what would, what would you tell them if, uh, if, if they were showing interest in, uh, you know, exploring land surveying? You know, I, I would tell them that it's a good career choice, um, that there's a lot of opportunities for a lot of, of different fields within surveying. You know, there's a lot of different skill sets. Um, you know, I in some aspects, I do a little bit of, of everything and still don't scratch the surface of what can be done. Because I, I, I don't do much scanning or drones. I don't do a lot of um, hydraulic surveys beyond wading in a shallow creek. You know, I'm not doing um, uh, underwater mapping via boat, I guess. And um, so I think there's a lot of cool things that you can, can do and a lot of cool places that you can, can go and, and see things. Um, earlier, you asked about a cool project that we're working on. Um, and I, I didn't answer it, but not too far from here, there was a local software developer who sold his um, flight simulation training program to hmm. Microsoft and made a whole bunch of money wow. and built a huge mansion 
and uh, it was um, on the market at one point for 15 million with uh, 200 acres uh, to go to go with it. Well, eventually, it's now passed down to a developing company, and they are splitting it into five and 10 acre lots, and and are selling it, uh, selling the selling the different pieces of ground. And, and we've gone out there and, and uh, did the boundary and have started breaking it up into different um, pieces. So, you know, you get to go and see some pretty cool stuff. And like on the Facebook pages, every once in a while, somebody will be, I'm surveying Shaq's house or whatever, you know, <laughs> and that, that's pretty neat, I think. Um, I, I, I would just say, you know, that it, it definitely is very, uh, interesting profession. There's a lot of places you can can go with it, especially as more and more people are retiring out. You know, we need more people who are qualified and know what they're doing and have a, a good head on their shoulders and a good education um, to, to replace those. But, you know, it also means that there's going to be a lot of job openings. And it's also a very, I shouldn't say safe profession, but you know, we're always going to need surveyors. I mean, we have some economic downturns that have made it hard on us at times, but, um, you know, the, the world needs surveyors. And if you're willing to travel, you can pretty much always get a job. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's, it's a pretty good market and a good field to get into. And we've had a few people show interest. Um, Paul Smith College from New York had a booth set up at the last one. <laughs> and one of, one of our guys uh, at our booth, this kid said, you know, I was real interested in it. And he's like, well, Paul Smith's got a, a booth over here and they do surveying. And he was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, I'll walk you over there. And he took the kid over to the, small, the, the Paul Smith's uh, booth to talk to him about their, their surveying program and wow. getting the kid involved. So, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of room there to, to get the kids interested and, and to, to push them down the right path. For sure. For sure. Um, before we start to wrap this up, I want to, I like to give everybody an opportunity to show appreciation for their, uh, their mentors. So do you have, uh, have any that you'd like to recognize? You know, I've had a lot of mentors over the years, um, my current boss, I actually worked for him at, uh, uh, at HTC when I was in college and that's kind of how I knew him and got involved with, with moving to this company to, uh, to, uh, replace him as he retires. His name's Steve Peidel. Uh, he's taught me a lot about, uh, construction layout techniques and different, different ways of, of surveying and, and things like that. Um, I've learned a lot from him. Um, he, I've also learned a lot from like Todd Horton at Parkland, who has been a, an, a teacher of mine and, and also a, a personal friend and, and mentor when it comes to uh, surveying and, and other aspects of life, which is great. Um, uh, my last boss was, was uh, really good at, at teaching boundary and um, he worked for IDOT for a while. So he had a lot of, good skills in reading IDOT plan and profiles and pulling the information you need to redo um, road alignments and things. So that was valuable education. Um, I think there's also those people you have that, that you don't consider being fully a, a mentor, but you've 
you've learned from them regardless. Maybe it was how not to do things, but you still learned. Um, so I've, I've, I've had a lot of people, you know, that I've been able to pick up stuff from here and there, which has been great. Now with the, with the mentors in mind and what you're doing to, as Ken said, pay it forward. Um, do you have a mantra that you live by, whether it's professionally or personally? That having a mantra, that's tough. Um, and I knew the question was coming. I, I think kind of as, as hokey as it, it might sound, um, I think, you know, trying to live by the, the scout law, which is, you, you know, what you want to teach your kids, morals and ethics. And I think my parents did a pretty good job of, of preaching that to, to my, myself and my sister. But, you know, the, if you don't know what the scout law is, it's uh, a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And I, I think that that pretty much runs the gambit on just being a good person, right? So trying to stand up to that different level of, of ideals is, um, I think it's going to get you far in your profession. If it's, you're somebody that the people around you can, can count on and they know you can, they can come to you with a problem and you're not going to bite their head off or, or anything like that. Um, and just, you know, keeping your truck clean, um, not going out and spending a bunch of money frivolously. It, it's all stuff that helps in business as well as in your home life. Um, and then I also think that, you know, the old adage of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You, well, you just, you know, how do you get through staking an entire parking lot, you know, one steak at a time? Or, you know, how do you get through the work week? when you've got a, a mountain of, of stuff ahead of you, you just take it one day at a time. And I, I think that's something too, that um, I try to kind of keep, keep in my mind just to, to try and uh, make sure I don't go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great answer for sure. With that whole thing, when he said all of that stuff, yeah, I, I, I think I try and do a lot of those things, but the clean one I got down and it <laughs> yeah, had me on did. a total side note. <laughs> yeah. Who took three showers in one day the other week? Last week. Who took three showers in one day? You. Yeah, and who else? Uh, who? Me? You. I did? I thought so. I might have. And then you said Not you spent a half hour in one of, <laughs> at one time in a shower. Oh, that was a great shower. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, this, this is something completely off topic. So we've had, uh, had a few guests reach out to us and say, Hey, you know, we really miss the, uh, the question, you know, what would you rather have or whatever? So the, this isn't even on the script. So it's going to catch everybody off guard, but uh -oh. this is going to be, maybe we're going to do like a weekly, would you rather, uh, segment here at the very end, just to end on a light note. So this is, this is pretty crazy. So we'll start with Kyle. Okay. So Kyle, would you rather have edible spaghetti hair that regrows every night or sweat maple syrup oh lord <laughs> there's no right neither, or wrong answer <laughs> neither one of those sound great i mean who wants to be sticky sweaty mapley smelling and and wants to sleep when a pillow of spaghetti um <laughs> God, I think maybe the spaghetti because All right. uh, the 
the maple would attract more flies, maybe. Spaghetti, yeah. I, mean, I think that's an easier question or a tougher question for him, for us, when living in Arizona, sweating maple syrup. Well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's let producer Jake answer that. I'm going to have to do the same there. I think the easy answer there is the hair. I don't know. I'm going to trim it off with some food scissors or something in the mornings. Yeah, always but, have, a, have a meal on your head. Yeah, at least that you, you don't really have to to worry about that once a day that's right maple syrup that, that's gonna get messy quick you just slice it off and and, and the food budget would go down boys so what, what's your gluten. shoots what's yeah. yours i oh definitely with the spaghetti i, I can't imagine sweating. you don't see any advantages to sweating maple syrup not at all can really? you imagine like getting in your car sweating and it's just <laughs> sticky everywhere i oh that sounds so miserable i would take the spaghetti it's not spaghetti in sauce it's like spaghetti is it coming out all like stiff or is it like it's, it's cooked there are a lot of he did say edible so okay. i think it's so uh, so cooked. it's at least like soft so it's like your hair you it's could permit i suppose i don't know uh, put some uh jerry curl in there that, that, would, that would be fine oh, i could so work funny. with it i guess uh, the only thing would be cutting it every day would get annoying but the sweating maple syrup absolutely uh, zero for me what about you i would have to agree living say, in, living in arizona no doubt about it absolutely. you don't see any advantage to the sweating maple I, syrup no i don't not in my current life you'd smell was. you'd smell better than like regular sweat you I would guess. live in the shower oh yes no doubt about it <laughs> all right kyle appreciate you uh bearing with us on that one so before we let you go is there anything that maybe we haven't talked about that you want to make sure you get out there uh, one thing that I forgot to mention as far as uh, donating stuff, um, we have uh, graciously, graciously had Siler Instrument mm-hmm. um, donate a couple of robots nice. uh, to our cause. So we are going to have some robots on hand to show uh, the kids what, what that's all about. And, um, you know, they're already pretty well impressed with a regular total station and, and how it works, but to show them that, you know, hey, this moves by itself and, and uh, can point you in the right direction and, and all that stuff, I think is going to be pretty interesting to share. Um, I've also got one volunteer who mentioned that uh, he could maybe do something on, on scanning. So <laughs> we're looking into maybe doing a, a short scanning demo or, or something like that to get them involved. Um, I'd like to do something with with drones, if, if if at all possible, just because they're they're cool to watch. You know, yeah. watching a scanner turn in circles is not nearly as as interesting as a drone. But they have regulations out there at, at the the summit that you sure. can't have drones flying around for safety reasons. Um, but uh, we're definitely interested in looking at at different things like like that to to get the kids interested. Um, and uh, to show off kind of what's what's going on in our our profession, and, and uh, hopefully it takes off, and um, we have a, a good time next year. So yeah, no, for sure, it's a great opportunity to introduce kids to it. And again, kudos to you for having that passion. Hopefully, we reach some folks through the podcast that share that passion, and uh, we'll get involved as well. Um, thank you again for being here. This has been great, and. Uh, you got anything else over there, Shoots? No, no the, the whole Boy Scouts thing, obviously, it's, I love the, it. it's the future. So yep. that's, that's nope. why we do this. And Huge fan. 
huge fan, huge fan. All right. Well, thanks again. Appreciate uh, appreciate you taking the time to be with us. So everybody else, make sure you check us out at uh, thegeoholics.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn by searching for The Geoholics. Download all our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, download our app from LanceBearsUnited.com. Email us at info at thegeoholics.com if you're interested in being a friend of the program or a guest on a future show. David Bowie, Rebel Rebel, taking us out. Available on Spotify, Apple Music, support local. Please support our friends of the program every chance you get. Pay it forward. Be safe and healthy. Baseball's back, baby. Thank you to our friends of the program, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Parkland College Land Survey Program, parkland.edu forward slash surveying, Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot arrow, Bad Elf, Bad-Elf.com, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Safety Apparel, SafetyApparel.us, Diamondback Land Surveying, DBAC, ls.com get kids into survey get kids into survey.com